stars could shine between the lines if you would let yourself go find some place you know you can use your words use your hands you can change the world just pretend express yourself take a chance and you'll see who you'll be it's time to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. It has become appallingly obvious that our technology has exceeded our humanity. Albert Einstein. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.com. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. Hi, everyone. I'm one of your hosts, Rose Sarner, and today's show will be all about technology. In segment two, I'll be interviewing senior Varshar Shankar as she discusses genetics research, particularly CRISPR technology, alongside my co-host, Sydney. And in segment one, Sydney will be talking about social media platforms and polarization. And in segment three, I will be discussing ways technology has improved how many people can access nutritional education. All right. Hello, everyone. It's your co-host, Sydney, and I'm back with another segment of Breaking Boundaries, a weekly segment where I discuss topics related to history, society, and science. Today, I'll be talking about how tech platforms are fueling political polarizations. So, to fully understand how society has reached the point we're at today with online media, we'll need to trace American media usage all the way back to the 1800s. The 1800s saw the increase in popularity of yellow journalism, which was a tabloid-style paper. Essentially, sensationalism was emphasized over facts, which actually helped foster international conflict with Cuba and the Philippines, as well as the development of U.S. presence overseas. However, over the course of 90 years, the informational model started to emerge. This type of media focused on impartiality and accuracy, particularly when it came to transparency in government and politics. 
In fact, in the early 1900s, muckraking became popular, which was a type of news coverage that exposed corrupt businesses and government practices. However, with the creation of technology and the rise of the digital age, there was a significant decline in investigative journalism. Instead, people started to turn towards television and social media as their main source of news. The 2008 Obama campaign actually popularized the use of social media due to its ability to connect with younger generations and the easy exchange of information. One of the benefits of social media was that politicians could bypass the media and directly communicate with constituents. However, with the increased use of social media as a technological platform for news and information, we are seeing a correlation to increased political polarization. While social media giants have gone out of their way to deny that their algorithms contribute to the promotion of disinformation and extremism, research actually says otherwise. An article by Paul Barrett, Justin Hendricks, and Grant Sims published by Think Tank, the Brookings Institute, in September 2021 points out, our central conclusion, based on a review of more than 50 social science studies and interviews with more than 40 academics, policy experts, activists, and current and former industry people, is that platforms like Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter likely are not the root causes of political polarization, but they do exacerbate it. Experts theorize that popularity-based algorithms designed to optimize user engagement, such as those that rank content, limit users' exposures to viewpoints that differ from their own. As a result, they increase divisiveness. The article describes another study published in March 2020, where, and this is a direct quote, subjects stopped using Facebook for a month and then were surveyed on their views. Staying off the platform significantly reduced polarization of views on policy issues, researchers found, although it didn't, it didn't diminish divisiveness based strictly on party identity. That's consistent with the view that people are seeing political content on social media that does tend to make them more upset, more angry at the other side, and more likely to have stronger views on specific issues, end quote. While the intent of these social media companies is not to increase polarization, they are still not exempt from responsibility and scrutiny. Large and profitable social media companies often conduct internal research and are aware of the issues surrounding polarization. This is why they have periods of time where they scale down incendiary or inflammatory content. However, these modifications don't last forever. Permanent adjustments to algorithms would affect user engagement, so no lasting changes are made. As consumers, particularly as teens, it's important to be aware of the issues surrounding social media. While it does have its benefits, there are also significant drawbacks to social media, especially if you use it as a news source. Next time you're on social media, make sure to fact check the information you're receiving and try to actively seek out and consider viewpoints that may differ from your own.
Sydney, thank you so much for talking about polarization. I didn't even know like the specific term, but I was always have been like aware of um, different viewpoints and being aware of like the different issues on social media that have kind of been taken in a new way and um, reformulated to mean something else. But I didn't really have that much research to back it up. And so thank you for giving more detail to the problem. I know you mentioned like journalists and their, how they like had the job to kind of expose the truths of um, these social media devices. Do you know of any specific like journalists or um, any specific publications that you would recommend for people to read or listen to um, that would that have great information that's like properly fact-checked, like you mentioned? Yeah, there are a lot of great sources online. Um, And obviously, as I mentioned before, there are a lot of sources that are very politically polarized. So it's important to make sure that you're getting um, sites and information from sites that don't have a political alignment. So there are a lot of nonpartisan news sources, and you can look those up online if you want. There are a lot of great graphs and, like, a lot of research on that that you can find. Um, I can't remember any off the top of my head, but a couple of really great ones that I would recommend are Associated Press, um, Reuters, and, yeah, there's definitely a lot more that you can find online. Oh, yeah. I'll make sure to check those out. Have you noticed, like, that being on social media from such a young age and um, having so many, like, facts and, like, different um, viewpoints being, like, always um, always being, like, spun out at you and just, like, all over social media, like you mentioned, have you noticed um, it to affect, like, young uh, teens or young kids in the long run? Or, like, how do you think that it will affect young girls or boys at home. Definitely. So I can really see with my own generation, especially in recent years, since we've had a lot of like cultural issues coming up in America that have a lot of different opinions. I see in my own generation, when we turn to social media as a source of information, that it fuels a lot of like the tension that I see, um, which often translate to in-person tension as well. Um, And this is mainly because like, as I mentioned before, uh, the information that you're seeing on social media, a lot of it is coming from algorithms. So when you're saying, when you're searching and researching all these things up on social media that typically follow a certain viewpoint, um, you'll often see news sources that really just follow that viewpoint because that's just how social media algorithms work. They want to keep you engaged. They want to keep you on the app. And the way they do that is they give you content that's similar to what you've searched and looked at before. And so definitely I see with my own generation, and I've definitely experienced this myself, that this has really kind of created this bubble of information where you're only seeing information that you want to see. And this can be really dangerous for teens because we're impressionable, we're young, and, you know, social media is often our main source of information. And we take this information from social media 
and we translate it to in-person arguments and tensions, as I mentioned before. So it's really important to fact check your sources and yeah, just try and look outside of what you typically view or search for. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, it's really important to look outside of like the ads um, that you're being given and fact check like you mentioned. But it's also I think it's really important to like have time away from social media because yeah, uh, power of technology, technology is just so powerful that they can create so many problems um, with social media, like social media, you're able to connect with others and learn about new things. But also at the same time, it can um, have a really harm, harmful effect on like young people like I know some people who are starting on social media when they're like eight and that can be really dangerous because uh, I know many people now deal with like depression and struggle with mental health, um, especially young girls as they like compare themselves to um, news that's online or even just like people's Instagrams. Um, So going back to it, I think fact checking is really important to make sure like the information is actually true um, before you believe it, but Mm -hmm. also like diversifying your Instagram and social media pages and your news sources um, to make sure that you know, like the truth from like, you know, the reality from what's not. Exactly. Is there anything, um, any other like big like current event problems that you have noticed this really have an effect on yeah I'd say definitely um just because like in the past year this was really prevalent for me but whenever like political elections happen I see a lot of misinformation spread online and especially recently with the Supreme Court uh, the Supreme Court is hearing a lot of important cases lately about things like really controversial topics like affirmative action, abortion, um, stuff like that. So yeah, there's definitely, whenever all those political issues come up in society, you can definitely see like a ripple effect in social media. And especially when it comes to the pandemic and vaccines, you know, with the rise of COVID. Definitely. I think a rise of COVID is a perfect example of really getting your news um, and your sources from like fact check sources um, and like doctors and established websites and not just people um, spitting out information online. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately we are out of time for this segment. So thank you so much for Sydney for sharing all this information with me and the viewers at home. I'm sure everyone really learned a lot. Um, during the break, check out our website, www.bethestarur.org, and keep listening for more as we discuss the role of media in our lives. See you soon. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on twitter find us at voice america trn or twitter.com forward slash voice america trn You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. It's Rose, and today we'll be talking to teen researcher Varsha Shankar. Varsha is a senior at Leland High School in San Jose, California. She has conducted research on CRISPR's applications to genetic diseases and key proteins in cancer pathways at two different Stanford research research university labs, and has published articles and given talks to international audiences about various concepts in genetics. In addition to science, she is a part of her school's speech and debate team and enjoys Indian classical vocal music and dancing. Hi, Varsha. It is so nice to meet you and welcome to the show. I'm your other co-host, Sydney. So to start off our discussion, first, can you explain what CRISPR is and how it works for our audiences at home? Of course. And I just wanted to thank you guys for having me on here. I'm just super excited and moving on to CRISPR. So CRISPR, also known as clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats, is a gene editing technology that can be referred to as a copy and paste for genes. So basically what it does is that it deploys a protein called Cas9, which is assigned to a guide RNA. And this RNA matches with a DNA sequence in the body through base pairing. And then the Cas9 protein cleaves the DNA. Actually, in 2020, scientist Jennifer Dudna and Emmanuel Carpentier won the Nobel Prize for their work in CRISPR research, which is really exciting. That's so interesting. And I actually, funny enough, um, I'm a junior in high school and I just started my like genetics unit in biology. So like all the terms like the base pairs and the RNA. It's so funny. <laughs> we talk about that in class. That's um, so cool. My other question is, what diseases can CRISPR potentially cure? 
So technically, CRISPR can cure everything because it edits the genome, so there are endless possibilities. But as of now, this technology has been really key in research and promises cures for many genetic diseases, such as Alzheimer's disease, cancer, malaria, and even blindness. So CRISPR seems like an amazing tool. Um, it's really clear that it's a really uh, significant tool and, you know, modern society, it's kind of incredible how far we've come. And obviously we have major diseases like cancer and malaria um, where we haven't really found, you know, cures for them. So has CRISPR been successful in treating these cases or is it still a work in progress? So for cancer and malaria, CRISPR-based cures are definitely on the right track. So for cancer, I believe CRISPR cancer therapy was first tried in 2019, where scientists made genetic modifications to T cells, which are immune cells that can kill cancer. So CRISPR added a gene that gave T cells a receptor protein that recognizes specific molecules on cancer. And then it removed three genes that inhibit the cell's ability to kill cancer. So then this trial actually stopped tumor growth for a period of time, but the tumors did continue to grow after a while. And although the treatment wasn't really perfect for everyone and didn't really have a long-term effect that was needed, the trial did prove that CRISPR treatment is definitely possible with a lot more development. And for malaria, it's actually really interesting how CRISPR can be used. It's going to be used in the form of CRISPR gene drives. So these technologies use CRISPR to insert and spread genetic modifications throughout a population at a really high rate. And these gene drives are actually engineered into the mosquito genomes. And they make these mosquitoes resistant to the plasmodium parasite that causes malaria. So thus, the mosquitoes don't get infected at all. And this is really strategic because it eradicates the disease itself. Wow, who knew mosquitoes were like a part of CRISPR, any like type of disease curing um, research. Um, uh, what makes CRISPR more effective than other treatments for certain diseases? So CRISPR doesn't just fight back or like depend on the immune system. It actually changes or eradicates the disease, which makes it a lot more effective. So take malaria. The new vaccine that recently came out is really a great solution, but no matter what, it won't get rid of malaria as a whole since it's a medicine that individual people have to take. But with the CRISPR solution, which is the CRISPR gene drive, the entire mosquito population won't be able to transmit the plasmodium parasite in the future, which basically means that gene drives are far more effective in the long term. So CRISPR seems like an amazing technology, but are there any downsides to using it, such as potential errors? Um, and I guess, like, how do we minimize these errors? So there's definitely the chance that CRISPR can cause an error or an off-target hit, but through lots of testing and stronger CRISPR subparts, the chance of this is minimized. So actually, scientists found a way to make the only RNA to, that binds, like the RNA can only bind to DNA of the perfect match, which is really significant because CRISPR treatments are going to be a lot more safe and exact. So the possibility for errors is really decreased now. That sounds great that the errors are kind of decreased and there's a lot of trust in CRISPR. Um, but going back to malaria, I know, and the mosquitoes, I know um, malaria is a worldwide killer that can affect so many people and has taken the lives of so many people. Um, can you elaborate more about how CRISPR is working with the mosquitoes and can this be helpful um, worldwide and to people worldwide? Oh, yeah, for sure. 
So CRISPR, how it's going to be used for mosquitoes is that these gene drives are going to be engineered into the mosquitoes' genomes. So these gene drives are going to make the mosquitoes resistant to the plasmodium parasite that will cause mal malaria so that in future generations, the mosquitoes that are going to be bred aren't going to be able to catch the plasmodium parasite because now they're engineered to be resistant to it. So this is really effective because it's more of a cost-effective solution. It doesn't involve people paying for treatments or people needing health insurance. And with the right amount of field testing, with the facilities and funding to increase the field testing for CRISPR gene drives, it's going to be a lot more accessible to people in lower-income nations around the world. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, obviously, you know, especially since there's an issue with access to healthcare worldwide. Um, so could you elaborate a bit more about in these lower income nations and where these nations where maybe CRISPR research isn't as accessible, how they'll be able to engineer uh, this cure? So it's more about like the big pharmaceutical and medical companies who are working on this rather than the people themselves. So in these nations right now, they're doing field testing. So they're like having these shelters of mosquitoes and they're pra like they're trying out how CRISPR gene drives are actually going to spread, whether it's actually going to work out. And then they're going to slowly increase the amount of mosquitoes that have these dream gene drives engineered into them. So that's like more and over time, there's going to be more and more spread of the mosquitoes that are resistant to the parasite which just basically means that over time, there's going to be more and more mosquitoes in the entire mosquito population that won't be able to get malaria, that won't be able to be infected with malaria. And thus, people aren't going to get infected with it because the mosquitoes themselves are actually resistant, which I find super cool. I never thought it would be like that, but... Yeah, that's fascinating. Can 100% of the mosquitoes become resistant? So theoretically speaking, yes, they can, but obviously that's not going to be the case because I don't think any uh, gene editing technology is going to have that much of a widespread effect because there's still going to be mosquitoes that aren't somehow affected by the gene drive. But in the future, there's going to be less and less mosquitoes that still can get plasmodium because of how these gene drives spread these genetic modifications at such a high rate throughout the population. So can you elaborate on why CRISPR is so important for teens to know about? Because we've been talking about the benefits and, you know, it seems like it has really important applications. But how does this, how does this apply specifically to teens and young adults? Uh, many genetic diseases like malaria actually impact young people disproportionately, especially those living in global South nations. So if youth around the world don't speak up, CRISPR development is just going to take a back seat and funding for the necessary facilities are just going to be compromised. So it's really important that we all use our voices for the young people suffering from these diseases around the world and raise awareness of this cutting edge solution that needs funding. Definitely. Teens have such an important role now. Like they have social media and they're able to really use technology to their advantage to like spread the word about what they think is really important. So what advice do you have for teens dealing with technology starting at such a young age? I think the first thing I would suggest is to conduct your own research. Try to learn as much as you can about these gene editing technologies, about the different way we can approach the diseases that plague society. That way, if we all understand what it is and understand that these cures are really viable, 
we can increase and stimulate public interest for these diseases, which for these cures, which is going to in turn allow for these companies to fund the cures more and allow for them to actually become widespread and implemented. So I think that's definitely one important thing. And another thing I would suggest is just to look for organizations to donate to. Like I know Bill, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is doing a lot for malaria research and curing malaria. So I think that's a great place to start in encouraging these cures from becoming widespread. Are there CRISPR classes or I guess classes focused on like applications of CRISPR and research related to CRISPR in high schools? Um, because that also seems like a really great way for young adults and teenagers to be exposed more to CRISPR? So in terms of CRISPR specific classes, I haven't come across any. Uh, I know in my AP Bio class, and I think Rose was talking about it too, uh, in the genetics unit, they definitely cover a lot on CRISPR. And I do know that many universities, specifically Stanford, I know for a fact, they offer like seminars on CRISPR where you can talk to like professionals about how CRISPR works and its effects. Yeah, what got you involved in learning about CRISPR? Did um, I know you just mentioned the Stanford classes, but did you take any like seminars or classes there? I think what got me into CRISPR in the first place was in AP Bio, and it wasn't in the genetics unit, strangely enough. I think it was in our first unit about maybe proteins. I don't know. I was just reading about CRISPR, and I realized how cool it is and how it can literally cure every disease out there. And then I reached out to a couple of Stanford professors and I was able to actually work with one and subsequently join their lab. And I think all of the research that I've done with him and his lab has really gotten me into researching it myself and publishing my own articles and, you know. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Definitely something I've learned as a teenager is, you know, opportunities won't come to you. Uh, you have to go reach out and take those opportunities and definitely... Um, reaching out to professors has been huge. And honestly, yeah, I'd recommend to our audiences everywhere, don't be afraid to take that first step and contact people on your own because that's personally where I've seen the most results. And as you can see with our guest today, she's had amazing results as well. So for, you know, people at home who are hoping to educate themselves more about the power of technology and explore more about these types of research, uh, what would you recommend? I think one thing that really helped me broaden my horizons in research is just to be open to researching new things. So at first, I really, really wanted to research only stem cells. But once I opened my mind to researching other things like CRISPR, I found that I really liked CRISPR and found it super cool. Another thing that I would suggest is utilize your resources very effectively. So now because of the internet, pretty much anything is available to us. We can access high classified research pretty much whenever we want. So whenever you have free time or just a minute when you don't have anything to do, I recommend just reading an article or going on New York Times and seeing if, if there's something new, something that piques your interest. That's the way to just build your knowledge and build your knowledge base. I think... Thank you for sharing that. Like I mentioned before, um, really using your resources and getting a diverse range of sources is really important now um, when there is so much information available on the internet. Um, and I know you mentioned you are publishing your own articles. Where are you publishing um, your articles and what kind of articles are you writing? 
So I actually write articles on a wide variety of topics, but I do try to focus them on CRISPR. At least some of them have been about CRISPR. So one of a couple of my articles have been published on this journal called Future of Us International. It's a journal where youth can publish any articles on whatever topic they'd like, particularly research articles. And they're just a great organization. They've helped so many young people express their voices. And another place is called, I don't know if you know, Restless Development. Their blog, We Are Restless, I published an article actually about CRISPR gene drives on there. And I was just really grateful for the opportunity to spread the possibilities of this career to youth. That sounds so amazing. And it's really clear that we need more people, young people like you out there, uh, spreading information, you know, accurate information about CRISPR and these types of technology. Um, so in your journey of like research and learning more about CRISPR, what has been something that has been challenging? Like what have been the most challenging parts? Um, because, you know, it seems like there are some amazing benefits, but what are some, you know, faced along the way? So I think one thing that definitely was challenging about researching CRISPR and understanding it is balancing the benefits of CRISPR and the drawbacks of it. So CRISPR is really great. Like it has so many capabilities and it's definitely gonna be huge in the future, but it also does have drawbacks. There can be off target hits and there are ethical implications. And of course there's the probability that when CRISPR is widespread, it's gonna be more accessible to people who are more, people who have more money and that's gonna cause problems for the people who have less income. So there's obviously a lot of ethical implications and ramifications for CRISPR. So sometimes it's, it's a really hard to balance dilemma. Is CRISPR okay to go ahead with or should we focus more on the ethical implications before we go ahead and research CRISPR? So that's definitely an area I think about a lot more nowadays. And in doing like your research and all of the amazing things you, it sounds like you've accomplished um, publishing your articles and everything. Um, what does a typical like day-to-day -day look like um, for like doing research or learning more about CRISPR? Sorry, what was that? You cut out a little bit in the end. Um, what does like a typical day-to-day -day look like um, for you as a researcher? Oh, okay. Uh, so usually whenever I have free time, whether it's like a free period in school or when I come home from school, I go to Google Scholar or just any scientific publication, Nature, and then I try to look for any new articles or innovations in the CRISPR area. And if I find an article or just a line from an article that I find really interesting, I write it down. And if I find like a couple of articles that are talking about the same interesting thing, I decide to write an article about it and publish it. Or, yeah, I just build my knowledge base that way by reading more and more. So I would say the important thing about research is just reading a lot. I completely agree. I mean, this really relates back to what we were talking about in our first segment, actually, about research and like getting your information. But it's so, so important to be finding your information from a lot of variety of sources and just keep on reading. Um, like the more you know, the better, to be honest. So actually, something I was curious about is obviously you're so like well versed on this topic and you've done a lot of research and writing, but like what's been the most shocking piece of research you've learned um, at, from this point? I think it was actually CRISPR gene drives, the cure for malaria. I never expected that 
mosquito genomes were going to be the ones that were engineered. Whenever I heard about CRISPR or had it mentioned, it was always CRISPR that's editing human cells or CRISPR that's editing our DNA. It really, when I read that Nature article, it really just shocked me that, wow, there really are endless possibilities with this. There's so many innovative ways to use this technology. So I think that was the part that was the most shocking for me because it's crazy to think, right? Like an entire species is going to be changed or could be changed by this one technology. That just really amazed me. Yeah, that amazed me too, listening. I think it's so fun when you just like stumble upon like a really interesting piece of information and then you can research that even further. Um, so moving forward, like what are you most looking forward to with CRISPR or expanding your research? Like, do you have any plans um, in the future or where is your research gonna head? So I hope to continue researching CRISPR's applications for various diseases, but I think CRISPR gene drives for, malar for malaria are the ones that intrigue me the most. So I really hope to, once I go to college and, you know, once I actually have like a research lab that I have access to at all times, I hope to conduct more and more tests concerning CRISPR gene drives for malaria and hope to develop the cure more so that it can actually be implemented sometime soon, hopefully in the next couple of years. Yeah, adding on to that question, where do you see the future of CRISPR going? I think over time, as CRISPR gets more like more safe through these innovations, I think CRISPR is going to become like a household name. It's going to be used in hospitals more often. It's going to be used as a cure more often. And it's not going to be just theoretical. It's actually going to be implemented. And I'm just so excited to see that. I'm just really excited for the future where CRISPR is actually going to be implemented at all times. Yeah, I'll for sure remember this conversation <laughs> when it is. Um, that was so interesting. Um, and thank you. Thank yes. you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for coming here today. Our interview together has been incredibly insightful and educational. And I can't wait to see what you do next with your CRISPR research. Thank you so much for being on the show. Up next, we have Rose, who will be doing a segment on nutrition and technology, so stay tuned. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. We just had Varsha, where we had an interview with her about CRISPR and its fascinating applications. We're back, and I'm Sydney, and right now we have my co-host, Rose, with her segment, Bite Share, talking about nutrition. Take it away, Rose. Hi, everyone. It's Rose, and I'm back with my segment, Bite Share, like Sydney mentioned. Today, I just am going to be discussing all things nutrition, nutritional education, healthcare food policy, and more. But specifically, in this episode, I'm going to be discussing ways technology has improved the nutritional industry. Like you know, the theme of today's show is the power of technology. This, to me, is fascinating, is a fascinating topic, because so many people are oblivious to the power technology holds. People do not understand the amount of data and various technology companies have collected on them, nor do they understand that everything they have put on their phones, computers, and pretty much anything on the internet people have access to. Something I just learned yesterday in my journalism class was how when someone signs up for Instagram, the agree box they um, click at the bottom with all the fine print that says, like, read this to continue, when you click on it, it allows Instagram to have the right to over- half or every pretty much everything you post on Instagram so everything you upload um, from like your stories to your actual posts Instagram now has rights to them which is crazy because it underscores the power technology really has today I'm going to tell you some of my favorite advancements technology has provided to people across the world all relating to nutrition and the importance of creating equal access to fresh produce First, a new concept I recently found out about is telemedicine. Telemedicine allows people who are living in rural areas and who have limited access to doctors, drugstores, and pharmacies to get the help they need without having to travel far. Telemedicine helps people monitor their vital signs and symptoms remotely. This has been beneficial to many doctors, too, during covid especially because hospitals have been overcrowded, they're um, experiencing really long wait times, and telemedicine allows patients to receive a full assessment and a full doctor's visit through a video chat with a physician. Their needs are automatically met, and the cost is lower compared to traditional doctor visits. I think this is such an important idea because, especially like I mentioned with covid 
it's really important to create sustainable ways for people to receive um, health care because also health insurance um, pays for a lot of someone's doctor's visit, but it's really, um, then you have to factor in like medicine and the extra necessities that someone will need. So just, this is a really fascinating idea because similarly with like Zoom that has evolved over the past two years, it's crazy to think that it's already been two years since COVID just broke out. Zoom um, has been implemented and it was um, it was an idea before COVID, but it really got implemented after COVID because people realized that if they can be accessible and treated in a more convenient way, then why would they need to go back to the old way or go back like and travel a large amount, um, a large distance to just something they can receive or something they can do um, at the comfort of their own home and just in such a shorter distance. And there's no commute involved in this, which is another um, really important factor. I talked about this on a previous episode that physical, um, the physical distance is a clear impediment to people receiving healthcare and receiving this nutrition. Um, people don't have to pay for parking. They don't have to pay for their bus ride. They don't have to pay to their gas, which is really um, expensive for these low-income families that can't um, provide for their families in the first place, but healthcare being such an important issue, um, it's really important that they get the needs and obtain um, proper nutrition and healthcare. Another concept that Apple has developed recently, um, in addition to private companies, are health apps, which everyone has on their phone, um, on their iPhone. Um, they are an inherent part of the movement towards mobile health programs in healthcare. And one of the fastest growing markets in mobile application development. There are, approximate, there are approximately 100,000 health apps available for devices similarly to telemed, telemedicine. These apps are convenient and give people stats on the go. I have um, an Apple Watch and I use my health app on my phone and it's really been an amazing opportunity for me to get my heart rate um, on the go, like daily, what's my resting heart rate? And I know for some people with underlying health issues or who are immune compromised, compromised, they can like set their watch to give them notifications and set their watch to give them certain statistics that are necessary to know for their certain illness or disease. And mobile health apps are an inexpensive way for doctors to provide high quality services accurate everyday data, um, while also being cheaper for patients to access, like I mentioned. When you buy an iPhone, the health app is free, um, so people are able to access it and put in all their data, and you can really customize it. Like, I know there's a lot of questions it asks you um, when you first download the app or um, click on the app um, that really allows people to enter their own personal data, um, their past medicine um, that they've used, and their past, like, health um, history. And technology has also allowed for people to buy groceries um, and food to have them delivered, like Instacart. Um, or I know during the pandemic, um, Amazon actually bought Whole Foods, which created a lot 
uh, a lot, which allowed for a lot people, a lot more people to buy sustainable, healthy produce, produce at a much um, more convenient rate. Um, and sometimes it's, and again, it's also cheaper for those who don't have to use gas, um, don't have to buy a bus ticket to go and get their groceries. And I know that Amazon, um, if you even have Amazon in the first place, um, you get a lot of discounts, which is very helpful for those families who healthy produce isn't as easy for them. Um, and lots of restaurants also use technology such as DoorDash or um, Uber Eats or Postmates to deliver food and really make healthy food um, and food in general um, available to those with who can't come and pick it up or can't come because of underlying issues. Um, so I think this is a really interesting way technology has advanced in a positive way because they're really um, thinking about all types of people and not just excluding one group of people um, and understanding that everyone has difficulties um, and it's really important to, again, consider all those who are shopping for fresh produce. And during my tennis matches, I really enjoy looking at my Apple Watch because it's able to track my heartbeat throughout the day. And especially when I'm playing tennis, it's really helpful to see when my heart rate is increased or decreases um, because I know I'm working hard or when I can push my energy a little bit more. And I know there's some apps that can connect to your health app that are able to track your nutrition as well. Just making sure you are getting enough energy, um, enough energy to support your exercising and making sure you're fueling your body properly. And with your Apple Watch, you can also contribute to health research if you want. Um, and you can give Apple that data to improve its next model and its next efforts. So I think this is a really interesting way Apple is providing people with these with these resources, but also taking them in and taking people's feedbacks and really listening to them. Like I got my Apple Watch, I think two years ago now, and my mom just got one for her birthday in January. And um, I know they were able to advance the health app and real and now they're able to track people's sleep which I think is really interesting because sleep is such an important part of living a healthy lifestyle and getting rest and another version of like an apple watch type of technology is an aura ring and I know the aura ring has a lot um it gives you specific statistics rather than Apple Watch. It also gives you these statistics, but it also focuses on giving you emails and texts and call notifications, um, similarly to a phone. But the Aura Ring, it gives you um, statistics on your like blood sugar levels, your heartbeat, um, your glucose. You can learn about um, your sleep again and on what days based off of your sleep and your heart rate and all the data um, that comes from your body, the aura ring will tell you like what day is a really good day to take a rest or to push yourself and do yoga or to go on a run. So I think it's really interesting that all these technology advancements can really tailor to um, a specific person and tailor to their needs and make sure their needs are met. And all my friends now 
ask me like what what is your heart rate right now like if we're in the middle of a hike um just so they know like if they can compare themselves to me but I tell them like everyone's different and everyone needs different um things to keep going and Another important part about um, technology and as it evolves is making sure you are listening to the fine print, especially with like when it comes to your personalized data. Um, it's really important to fact check and check where your information is going um, because you don't want um, the government or not even the government, but like the these stores and these large companies to um, take your data and use them for purposes that you don't want. Um, so it's really important to look in the news, um, collect a diverse range of sources and know where your data is being um, transferred to and where your data is being um, given to. And Congress is voting on a new bill for people to have um, the option to oppose this or to opt into um, the da these data collections. And with that being said, um, we're out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice of America Empowerment Crew, especially our audio engineer, Andrew. Thank you to our guests from across the world and a huge congrats a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity, visit www.bethestarur.org. Find us on Instagram at Express Yourself Radio. And thank you for listening to Express Yourself, where teens talk about, where teens talk and the world listens. Embrace technology, learn more about CRISPR, and always remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine. Between the lines If you would let yourself